listening to My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. Each episode, we look at the topics that can make our working lives difficult and explore how you can take action to improve things. We want to help you move from simply surviving work to thriving at work. My Pocket Psych is brought to you by Work Life Psych, a team of workplace psychologists who are experts in coaching, training, and structured development programs. You can find out more about how we help people grow and develop at work by visiting our website, worklifepsych.com. Hello and welcome to episode number 33 of My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. I'm Dr. Richard McKinnon, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Pilar Orti. Hi, Pilar. How are you doing? I am very well, Richard. How are you? You've been around a bit. <laughs> well, I've had the usual, I think, amount of travel. Um, it's, been, it's been quite an active time since we last spoke, but it's all good, doing interesting things. And, um, and back on time to record another episode, so that's always good. Excellent. And um, anything to report back? Well, lots, but not, much of which I can't share on this podcast. No, no. Um, okay. No, but, but since we last spoke, I mean, I think a really nice thing happened. I was in Dublin and I actually met one of our listeners. <gasps> wow. Hello. And, uh, hello, listener. <laughs> uh, he, know who, he knows who he is. Um, I'm going to keep that confidential for yes. the moment. But um, we had a, a great chat. I didn't know that he was a listener and that was a nice surprise. And he had some really nice things uh, to say about the podcast. But I think that the nicest thing I heard during our conversation was about how we're translating this stuff for the average person out there and that it was landing well, uh, just enough information, not too much science and uh, n nothing too basic. So, you know, that was one data point. Um, but if you're listening to this and you do have feedback for us, we would love to hear it because we want to improve the podcast as we go along. So you can send us a short message on Twitter at mypocketpsych or send us something a little bit longer um, via the contact page at worklifepsych.com. And any and all feedback is welcome. And really, listeners, you don't know how much it means to us when somebody gets in touch. It's really, really nice. And I know I listen to a lot of shows and I rarely get in touch with the hosts, actually. So we can also understand if you don't. Just send us those vibrations. <laughs> Just, yeah. Um, yeah, a tweet with a smiley face. That, that, that shouldn't take too much time. <laughs> and last week, um, I was featured in an article in the FT um, in the uh, health and well-being section, all about our use of technology and social media. Um, it, it was a nice article um, because the, the um, writer got input from, from a range of people. And some of those people listeners might be familiar with, uh, Sir Cary Cooper, um, a, a really established and impactful occupational psychologist, and also David D'Souza from the CIPD talking about the impact of technology and how we use it and how we might use it in a, in a healthier way and the potential for social media to be a distractor. And of course, I, I, my takeaway um, comment from that was, was David's comment where he said, well, of course, we could be distracted by Facebook at work, but we were always able to distract ourselves before Facebook came along. So maybe that's not the problem. Um, I'm going to put a, a link to the article because there's a lot in there, but I'll put a link in the show notes. And um, I think it's a, it's a good example of a balanced discussion about this, not going down the route of techno panic that just because this technology is there, it's a bad thing. Yeah, and I, I really like that, the need to understand the problem rather than say, oh, it's social media. 
Exactly. Yes. And also something else I thought that, um, through the article, because the headline was about social media. <clears throat> excuse me. Excuse me, listeners. <laughs> uh, social networking and the increasing burden on mental health is the name of the article. If you want to Google it now, listeners, uh, as long as you're not driving. And it was published on January 17th, 2019 on the FT, FT.com Financial Times. And what, what struck me as I started reading it is actually most of the article at the beginning is really about email um, and the technology in the workplace. And then it starts to go into social media. And I thought it reminded me that the it was it started talking about how this might affect people working in organizations. And then I thought, but actually the small business owner, the entrepreneur, um, people who use social media for work as well as for personal use, that's a different problem. Um, and it, it just reminded me that you really need to look at the context, whereas in organizations, email is still seems to be something or, or that, that is a problem versus social media. Um, I don't know. Do, am I making myself clear? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think, I think the challenge is that there's an umbrella of mm. interactive technology. Um, email is one of those things that fits under that. But anything that has an inbox where you can get a message that you don't control receiving that message necessarily fits into this. Um, and I think we, yeah, we started talking about email, but I, I was a bit dubious about taking part in, in the interview because most of the requests I get for these kinds of things are product led. Mm. You know, we have a new method for dealing with email. Will you talk about it? Well, no. Um, or it's pure techno panic. I want to write something that says email is changing our brains. And I, I don't want to be really part of that. But this was a nice balanced discussion that said, actually, there's quite a few things that could impact yes. us. Email is one. And, and I think you're absolutely right about context. It's really important. And also remembering the role of skills. Um, you know, just because we have access to these communications tools, it doesn't mean that we're using them to best effect. So we need to reflect as individuals, are we doing this well? Could we do it better? Are we making life more difficult for ourselves by the way that we use these tools? And that needs to start at the very top of an organization all the way down to, you know, the, the new starter at the most junior level. What habits am I forming about how I use this technology? Because the technology itself isn't the problem. It's how it's used and our expectations of it is what I would argue. Yeah, and the culture in the organization and how it's uh, um, role modeling and yeah, what's happening in the whole organization. Yeah, no, it's really, it is a great article. Good. Go read it, listeners. <laughs> and well done, Richard, for being featured in the FT. I think it's the first time. Um, yeah, but, uh, but yeah, and, and, a nice output there. In well-being news, um, you had a, a nice um, article that you shared in, in our prep for this all about desk dining do you want to tell us what desk dining is, Pilar? Yes, it's nothing more uh, sophisticated than eating at your desk and having lunch <laughs> at your desk in front of the computer, usually. Uh, and I have to say that this is something that I find horrifying. Uh, for me, lunch is, um, is, is, I wouldn't say it's sacred, but for me, lunch is a time to stop. It's a time to enjoy the food. So I suppose that depends if you have access to really nice food at lunchtime, wherever you are. Um, but also, I mean, I, I, have, I work sometimes uh, from a co-working space and people bring their food to their desks there. And, oh, you know, just the smell sometimes it really disrupts my own work. So there's a real, <laughs> there's a selfish agenda behind it. But um, 
it, the article is just about that. It's about not taking a break. It's about um, it having an effect on happiness. Um, and so it, 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 it is mainly about that. I just wanted to flag it because I think it's something that maybe it's been it's been happening for a long time, but maybe we should address it. And also organizations um, thinking about what they can do to promote this. So are there nice dining spaces? Is it okay? Who's who's sitting at their desk? Who's role modeling? A little bit going back to the article from the FT. So yeah, I just thought I'd, I'd flag it. I think it's a it's a great reminder of the importance of breaks and of healthy breaks to help us recharge and eat well eat more mindfully rather than, you know, inhale something while trying to either work or while doing something that looks a lot like your job, which might be looking at a different kind of a screen uh, and moving around, you know. So um, it's worth pointing out the, the article was written by someone who runs a business in this space okay. um, around food ordering and, dr and drink ordering. I don't think it negates it uh, completely because really we could all reflect on how frequently we take breaks from from the job and what we do during those breaks and how helpful it is the thing that we do so if you step away from your desk and immediately jump onto social media are you giving yourself a real break if you step away from your work station and you don't even see uh, the sky or get any fresh air might you be able to do that and move around if you have a stationary job or have a sit down if you have a more active job there's no perfect answer to this, but I think the the results from this survey that they carried out were were a little bit sad um, about the um, you know the the short amount of time that people have that they actually take, um, and uh, seven in ten people said they take half an hour or less for a break, uh, and thirty four percent said they skip lunch altogether two or more days a week, so um, they instead will use caffeinated drinks and sugary snacks. And we all know what happens when you do that because you get a big crash later on. And, you know, this really links to what we're talking about over these next few episodes around productivity because that is a very typical response when people feel, I just need to get so much done. Yeah. And you're kind of robbing future time. You might feel buzzing now, <laughs> but actually you're going to have a crash later when you will be less productive. You'll be exhausted and you won't be able to get good stuff done so i would argue you know taking breaks is really important if you want to be productive it can feel counterintuitive you might want to just keep working but really 10 or 15 minutes away from the task walk around you'll feel a lot different and maybe a lot more positive about it when you sit back down yeah it's a little bit like the conversation around sleep <laughs> we need exactly. to do it so yeah so Next, we're going to move on to the second of our uh, productive 2019 principles. So the last time around, we spoke about the importance of having um, pr uh, context and purpose to why you want to be more productive, taking in an acknowledgement of what's driving you, your own context, your own role and job and all of those things before jumping into making lots of changes, thinking about what it is in your life that you would like to change, your personal life, your professional life, um, the challenge in, in balancing or navigating the two. And that hopefully gives a bit more clarity as to where you might want to put some attention in. So the next of the principles that we're going to look at is the one called priorities. So this is all about 
knowing uh, where you might want to invest your limited resources, the time available to do work, the attention that you're able to give a, a given task, and the energy that you have. So you can see how it reflects um, the uh, fizzy drinks and the mm. sugary snacks piece. But let's start with a question. How might you know that your priorities could do with a little bit more attention? So there's many answers to this question. A few that I've thought about in, in preparing for this conversation. One is the really common experience where you feel very tired after work, but you've got very little to show for it. You might look at your to-do list or your post-it note on your desk and it still looks as full as it did. And you find that you've used up all the time available and maybe a lot of your attention and energy and actually all of those big rocks are still there. It might be that you are also tired mentally and or physically um, at the end of the working day and you feel too tired to engage with what you want to in your private life. So you've potentially used up all of your resources at work. And another really common scenario is when you're absolutely daily, constantly firefighting. It's all just in time. It's all emergencies. It's all now, now, now. And, and while that might happen occasionally, if that's your working style, that can be exhausting and bad for you in the long run. So just a few examples about why it's important to think about priorities, because each of those examples points to less thought being given to what matters and where things might sit in the scheme of things. I think that the most, for me, the most important thing you said there was right at the beginning when you said about the fact that we have limited resources. Mm. Um, and I think this is a very, it's a huge piece in our mindset when we're looking at this, because it's this acceptance that we have a limited amount of time and energy. And I think once we understand that, it starts to be easier to prioritize uh, and to ditch, actually, some stuff mm -hmm. that, that, that we can't do or then to delegate, essentially, whatever whatever it is. Um, so I think that's a very good reminder that, yeah, we only have a limited um, time and energy, people. <laughs> And we, we've got a limited time, full stop. Yes. Yeah, that, that might sound a bit grim. <laughs> no, but when but you think about it, I've I've got a limited amount of time to spend, you know, each day. Mm. How would I like to do that? But the downside is if we just focus on time, we can have a very uh, ornate and beautiful division of time by really focusing on time management. And, and we no. don't take into account the other things. Yeah. So we might overcommit and we might um, believe we can get more done that is possible because we also have to manage our attention, those cognitive resources, focus, for example, and, and also physical energy. And so it's, it's really important to remember all three. When I'm working with graduates, to, to talk about productivity, I always ask them about time and how many of them have pulled an all-nighter while at university. And you can see the hands shoot up. And occasionally, that can be a really good way of dealing with a deadline, working through the night. The issue is you're just borrowing time from the following day. And they could all identify with the fact that the day after an all-nighter, you're not exactly uh, fighting fit and you're not doing your best work, if at all. So we truly do have limited resources each day and we then need to replenish them each night so that we can come back into our job with time attention and energy to spend so priorities conceptually is all about knowing where we should be putting our focus and being being proactive about that and not letting it be done to us and that applies to any 
job that we might have. And it also applies across the different roles that we have in life. So that example I had about being too tired to engage with your private life is very easy to fall into if we don't think about how we might want to spend those resources outside of work and how we might need to keep something in the tank for the investment we want to make at home or, or socially. And also the investment we want to make with the people at work. Because I think one thing that I'm thinking of is that part of our job uh, or part of our purpose or, or part of our goals might be to strengthen some relationships at work. Um, and if we forget about that when we are prioritizing, when we are thinking about what we should focus our time, attention and energy, because we usually have task lists, we might forget that that's important also. I find that quite interesting mm. because it's really, well, one, it's really difficult to quantify, but also really understanding what, how we're spending those resources with other people. How does that fit our purpose, our values, our goals, etc.? Absolutely. And, you know, when we talked about purpose, one of the important factors within purpose is understanding what's important to you through the lens of your values. And if there's a discrepancy there, that can feel quite uncomfortable. So remembering, absolutely, it's not about tearing through a to-do list. It's also about and making an investment with these things that may not pay off today, but you know, could in the medium to longer term. And of course, those priorities aren't fixed. They're not stuck in one uh, setting. Change happens around us. Uh, other people might have a sick day. Uh, your boss might change her mind about what needs to be done now. There might be a client crisis. There might be a power cut. Who knows what could happen? So this requires you to be a little bit flexible about where you're going to invest time attention and energy um, on a daily basis, but also on a more life level basis. What's my ideal here across the different roles I have? How, how would I like to invest these overall, knowing that each day might knock me off that model, that perfection. But, you know, if I look back on my life, what would I like to be saying about how I invested these things? And as they say, very few people on their deathbed say, I wish I could have done more work it's about understanding there's, there's a balance to be struck for you as an individual between the demands of work and what's outside and um, doing that with intent and not letting it be done to you. Yeah, the intent, that's the key, isn't it? Well, there's lots of keys. <laughs> there's lots of keys, you know, that's the thing we could say about all of this. There's a phrase I, I, I've come across quite a bit in the last year, and I'll be honest, I, I'm, I'm not sure where it came from originally, but people more and more are talking about living an intentional life. Mm -hmm. And that's about making, you know, good quality decisions for yourself and, you know, dealing with the difficulty and discomfort that comes from doing something a little bit different, but knowing that it's important to you and doing that. So it might be, you know, managing your finances in a very intentional way, thinking about the medium and the longer term, or thinking about how you're going to raise your kids in a very intentional way. And it, it's, it's quite a nice fit for how we've previously spoken about the value of present moment awareness, about being mindful, because that's about intentional focus. Uh, so when we talk about productivity over the next few episodes, maybe it's worth bearing in mind what you're going to have to do with intent rather than as a kind of an automatic pilot or a habit. Because at first, it's going to feel a little bit difficult if you're going to make some of these changes. Yeah. 
So how do we start to decide what we want to focus our time, attention and energy on? Yeah, this, I would suggest there's two levels and this is just a suggestion. But one is to start looking at the roles you occupy in life. And I'd really caution people to um, avoid thinking that it's work and home for mm. example, because even within each of those domains of life, you occupy multiple roles. And we've touched on this before when we talked about work-life balance. It's useful to consider the different roles you have in work and out of work, and then think about, well, what, what, what does it look like now? How much time am I dedicating to these roles? Does it match what's required of me and what I would like to do? How much attention can I give to these roles? How much energy do they require of me? And then it's a kind of a calibration exercise. You're looking for imbalances or discrepancies about your ideal and thinking how close to your ideal you are in certain roles and what control you have to make some changes. Um, one exercise I do in workshops is ask people to, to draw circles to represent the roles and then using a different color indicate what the actual is compared to their ideal. Is it a circle within that that's much smaller or is it a bigger circle? And you can do that through the lenses of time, attention and energy. And you often get a quite different result by looking at those things because we might spend a lot of time at home, but we find we may not be giving it the attention that we want to because of uh, not enough energy left from working so hard during the day or in fact bringing work home with us. Again, physically present, psychologically still at work. It's mm, uh, really interesting. I really like the fact that just because we're spending time on something, it doesn't mean um, it's, yeah, it doesn't mean that, that it's fruitful sometimes. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, it's interesting. We, we might be going through the motions. Now, on a, on a daily basis, it's also important to be able to discriminate in terms of priorities for the, the, the things that need our attention and time at work. And, you know, we, we spent uh, an entire episode talking about prioritization back in episode eight, one of the more popular ones looking at the downloads. And we walked through um, that really simple tool called the Eisenhower matrix that dis distinguishes between a task's urgency and its importance. And you end up categorizing it in one of four boxes. So if you, I'm not going to walk through that again. You can listen to, to episode eight because we went through it in some detail. But I would say it's just one of so many methods that are out there. If you don't prioritize your work, that's a nice simple one to experiment with. If you already have some kind of prioritization method, I would argue that it's useful to take a step back, have a look at it, and see does it allow you to make effective discrimination between tasks. In other words, as long as everything isn't urgent. <laughs> that's something. So a yes. very poor prioritization tool is to tick emails in the inbox because it's just a binary. They're either urgent or they're not. And after a while, you just see a sea of red in your <laughs> inbox. And then how will you know what to do next? It might be just the next email in the inbox. And we'll talk about this in a future episode, but working out of your email inbox is, is a pretty awful idea for a number, a number of levels. But um, discriminating between tasks, uh, it needs to be easy to use as well. So this isn't about you know, reinventing the wheel. It's, it's also not about applying strict project management methodology. It, it needs to be easy enough that you can look at something and figure out just how important and urgent it is. And also something that's flexible so that as those changes that happen around you, uh, you're able to accommodate that in whatever tool it is that you're using. 
It might be as simple as identifying the top three things that you know must get done today, and keeping those within your line of sight. And that as new things come in, you say yes, but not yet, because these top three things really need to get done today, and then everything else is a nice. To have now, of course, remember if we look at very different roles out there, the priorities might also refer not just to task completion, but how the tasks are done. So, if you work in hospitality or retail, there's a big emphasis there on customer service, for example. And we know when we are on the receiving end of customer service that it could be very, you know, efficient. But it might not be the style that we're looking for. So, in addition,、um, it's about completing that customer service transaction, but doing it in a way that the organisation requires of you.、Um, so, we, we need to think about priorities from those different perspectives. So, the flexibility is really, really important. And if you have prioritised, not only does that give you an element of clarity and it enables planning and a bit of structure, you can also reflect on. Your own energy throughout the day and、uh, plan with a little bit more certainty. But also, when you know what your priorities are, you're also then able to know when and how to say no to new requests or negotiate about those new demands that are being placed on you. Because if you've really looked at what needs to be done today and more stuff is coming in, I think the worst thing you could do is just simply say yes to all of that without being open. About the other priorities that are already on your plate, that is so important.、Uh, the the ability to be organized enough, but still flexible, but organized enough that you can say no to stuff that is coming in, because it is really difficult, especially when it's coming in from other people.、Um, oh yeah, really, really interesting. Also, something that I thought as you were talking is that. To me, it strikes me like we need to be zooming in and out all the time, so that we know what、uh, we want to achieve in the short term versus long term, short term versus long term, and be prioritizing around that. I think with the customer service example, it might seem really,、um, it might seem like the f- the best thing to do today is to finish an interaction with a customer really quickly. But actually, in the long run. What what will be the effect of that? Not just on us, but on the organization. So really, yeah, I really like going in and out, in and out. That that's a, a super important、uh, part of all of this, and it's implied by prioritization, but it's also a, a completely separate principle in in this series that we're going to go through,、Ooh. which is about being able to take different perspectives on、ah, things,、yes. and remember that it's not just about today.、Um, you know that you have a great example there. I often think when I'm checking into hotels, which I do a lot, <laughs>、um, that the difference. In what you experience in terms of flexibility、um, versus going through the motions versus being ultra strict with the process, and that's going to differ from hotel chain to hotel chain. But I think it's also a factor of someone's experience that they could say, you know what, if I'm able to be a little bit flexible about this thing, that's an investment for the future of this particular hotel or our reputation or my relationship with this customer. Versus, I have a checklist to work through. The customer is incidental to the checklist. I'm just going to go through it. I, I checked into a hotel in Ireland a couple of months ago、um, without making eye contact <gasps> with the person、Ooh. behind the desk. That was super efficient. You know, I found myself with a key card in my hand before I knew it. But it was also, you know, the opposite of what you usually find when someone's welcoming you and explaining things to you. So efficiency isn't always productivity. Yes, and of course,、um, remembering. 
you know, the order in which things be done and, and how the day might play out is going to change depending on the nature of your job and what's happening all around you. But remembering that prioritizing is not the same as doing. <laughs> so we don't want to get caught up in being so involved in detailed prioritizing of tasks that it's preventing us from making a start and actually getting some of that stuff actually done. I really like what you said. Sometimes all you need to know is what are the three things you need to get done today or or in the week if they're huge things. And sometimes that's just enough to, to get you going and, and to get you focused. And something that can be quite motivating, and yeah. I'll wrap up with this because it's a positive, I think, <laughs> is when you've prioritized and you've done those things, it can be quite nice to look back at the end of your day or the end of your week to take account of that. And be happy about what you've achieved. What have I done? It, you know, it's super useful to know what do I need to do, but you know, retrospectively examining your day or your week, that can be quite motivating, especially when you don't feel that you're making the progress that maybe you would like to, or you're in a very demanding situation, or you're working with you know, real experts all around you and you're experiencing a bit of self-doubt. Look back on the things you've managed to do both gives you a boost, but also might help you refine your approach to, pro uh, to productivity generally, but also to pri prioritizing specifically uh, with those things that got done. Was there anything that you might have not done? Was there anything that you could have put earlier in the week? Is there anything that you can drop completely? Because very few people have all the resources they need for all of the roles in their life with the capacity to take on more. So prioritizing is, is about knowing what to do, but also being quite um, honest with yourself about what you're going to stop doing or pause doing so that you can be intentional and get the most important, meaningful things done. I would be really curious to know what questions people ask themselves when they are prioritizing either the tasks or the projects. Um, so shall we ask listeners, <laughs> Richard? <laughs> I, I would love to know. Get in touch with how you prioritize because there's so many ways of doing it that are out there. Um, how, how well it works for you, your questions about prioritizing or your what about questions. You know, they often start with, well, that's all very well for Richard, but what about <laughs> my those. job, my company? You know, yeah, they're great because it forces us to, to think about it. Um, and, you know, it's important to, to think about the context around you. Prioritizing for you is fine, but what about the people you work with? What about the rest of your team? What about... And this is something that people always ask themselves, who is asking me to do this? <laughs> is it a client? Is it a colleague right next to me here? Is it someone in my organization I've never met and I'm getting an email from them? Or is it my boss standing right beside me? You're going to view those requests quite differently and you probably should. But the person asking and the context in which you're doing it is going to be a big part of this. So again, it's not for me, it's not for us to say this is how you must do it. I think the must do here is reflect on what, what job do I do? What's required of me in this job? Who do I interact with? And it, could I improve the way that I put things to the top of the list? Great. So remember, we have a Twitter account, My Pocket Psych. And also, if you want to send us a long form message, head over to worklifepsych.com where there is a contact form. That's the best way for them to get in touch with us, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, great. So, Uh, we're at the end of another episode. Pilar, thank you so much for your time and your questions and your input and for that little um, uh, 
article you shared about desk dining. I think that phrase is going to live on. Yes. And I'm going to make a concerted effort not, not to do that. I'm not sure how much I do, but yeah, I don't think it's a great idea. So uh, another episode finished. Thanks so much. And for everyone out there, thank you for listening. Thanks for downloading this episode of My Pocket Psych. To get in touch with questions and feedback, you can tweet us at worklifepsych or leave us a message on the contact form at www.worklifepsych.com contact. Thanks for listening.